This is the Immigration Conversation presented by Fragman, a series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world. We'll bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern, and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility. Hello, all. Um, welcome to the first in what we hope will be a series of three podcasts hosted by Fragman Island. Today, we are looking at COVID and the impact this has had on the immigration process in Ireland, specifically for employers and businesses. My name is Bill Foster, and I'm the Managing Director of Fragman Island, and I will be hosting the discussion today. And with me is uh, Angel Bello-Cortez, who's the practice leader for Fragman in Ireland, Colm Collins, who is the manager for Fragman in Ireland, and Louise Collins, also a manager for Fragman in Ireland. Um, all are based in our Dublin office and all have been at the forefront of managing the current COVID crisis with our clients and bringing uh, and dealing with all of the challenges that this brings. Um, welcome all. Thanks, Hello. Bill. So let me start then perhaps with you, Angel. Um, um, along with uh, other businesses, I think we started looking at our COVID planning and response in January and February of this year. And the lockdown began in March of this year. So we're now several months into the COVID pandemic and the crisis. At a very high level, uh, I wonder if you could perhaps just talk a little bit about what the impact has been on the immigration process in Ireland and also for employers who are working within the immigration process in Ireland. Sure. Thank you, Bill. So, yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, we, we saw initially a, a dramatic reduction in, in business travel and, and short-term assignments across the board, which was understandable, obviously. Uh, on this note, actually, Ireland has a pretty generous business travel policy as, as travellers can potentially perform work activities for up to 14 days without uh, pre-approved work authorization. Uh, however, health concerns, obviously, and the 14-day the quarantine requirement upon arrival uh, greatly impacted this. So we didn't see much business travel for obvious reasons. Also, short-term assignments or, or work permits were, like, for example, the atypical working scheme type permit were, were greatly impacted. We also saw uh, visa nationals, for example, such as Indian and Chinese nationals, uh, greatly affected as well, given the closure of all consular posts. Uh, so even though they might have been able to get a work permit, uh, from the authorities here in Ireland, uh, which continued to process uh, work permits generally, then they weren't able to get entry visas to, to travel to Ireland uh, at their uh, local Irish consular post. But that said, I mean, overall, the government uh, continued to process employment permit applications and, and immigration applications generally, and, and made great efforts to secure the continuity of the business immigration system including, for example, swift contingency measures, blanket extensions for those in country, and uh, indeed the fact that uh, no entry bans were ever imposed, the, the borders have remained open at all times. And overall, there was a, a noticeable increase in flexibility on the part of the immigration authorities. But hopefully we can discuss all these measures in detail uh, during the course of this podcast. Thank you, Angel. That's a, a really good uh, introduction. I think maybe sort of diving a little bit into the details then, um, maybe I'll pass over to Colm um, and maybe ask, 
But specifically, how has the government reacted to the COVID crisis, specifically as it relates to those who've been entering the country? And I'm thinking there of business travellers or those entering to work or, or even visitors. What's the approach that the government has taken, Colin? Yeah, well, I, I suppose there's been a lot of talk about an entry ban, and I know uh, Angel had briefly mentioned it there about a, a, an entry ban across the EU, specifically, specifically even for US nationals. But Ireland has never taken the approach of an entry ban. The, I, I suppose, uh, for the most part, uh, the, the, the biggest sort of hindrance for some in, individuals trying to enter Ireland was, was those who were visa-required nationals. And those applications, unfortunately, stalled um, from March as consulates and embassies closed around the world. And um, now, fortunately, we're starting to see things pick up there uh, as consulates and embassies are beginning to open and start processing entry visas again. But those uh, individuals who didn't have uh, an ability to travel in with the with the, a valid entry visa, those are probably individuals most affected because they couldn't, unfortunately, either come into Ireland in the first place or, or return in, in certain circumstances where their permission may have expired while they were out of the country. But on the flip side, employment permit applications were still processing, um, and, and those uh, employment permits had moved online a number of years ago now. And, and in fact, processing times had actually significantly improved over the course of the last few months. So what we've seen is certain individuals who have needed to come over to Ireland on a, either for, for business or for, for longer-term work on, on pretty critical projects. And if they are for non-visa-required nationals, they could actually travel uh, to Ireland throughout, uh, uh, throughout the crisis and, and begin work because their employment permission was being granted. Uh, now, from May, as, as Angela alluded to, there has been a requirement for, for individuals returning or, or entering Ireland to quarantine for, for 14 days and to sort of, um, coming from any, any country, and that even includes Irish citizens. So that's probably been one of the bigger hindrances for individuals uh, when they're coming to Ireland for the first time or, or returning home. Um, but once that 14-day um, uh, requirement was completed, uh, individuals could, in theory, begin working and, in, in fact, even potentially begin working remotely um, in, from a hotel room if needs be uh, in Ireland. And the only sort of government requirement for that was a passenger locator form to be completed uh, upon entry into the state. But from there, we, you know, we found that whilst it's not been necessarily in, in legislation, our clients and, and you know, companies and firms are, are pretty adamant on ensuring uh, within their own policy that people have been um, self-isolating for 14 days upon entry into the state. But, you know, there's actually been recently an issuance of a green list of countries, up to 15 countries, where individuals don't actually have to self-isolate upon entering into Ireland. So I think those are kind of signs that we've seen that the government took pretty affirmative action quite early, uh, but were able to sort of uh, allow for people to travel into Ireland where they needed to and when they were able to. And that's really had a, had a positive effect uh, on people being, on businesses being able to plan going forward. Thanks, Colm. I think uh, taking from that, we can see that the government's taken a very um, robust approach to dealing with the crisis while at the same time trying to address the, the business need. Um, and I think that's been very, very positive, and we've seen that with a lot of um, the employees that we work with. Perhaps drilling down a little bit uh, on that to sort of the individuals themselves, um, maybe I'll just uh, throw it to you, Louise, and sort of talk to the impact all of that has had. So sort of picking up on what Colm has just talked about in terms of 
um, trying to, to, to deal with the entry into the country. Clearly, we're going to have a lot of people in Ireland who, who are here on a visa or with permission um, to remain in the country, um, and yet we, we're seeing the consequences of the pandemic in terms of processing, etc. Um, what's, what's the impact been on those individuals who say are in the country between March and uh, uh, currently whose status has been expiring whilst the government's been sort of limiting processing, etc. How's that being dealt with, uh, Louise? Yeah, so as Colin mentioned, um, the various departments were quick to action, which is great. Um, they did close down most of their offices, obviously, with the COVID limitations. So the registration offices were closed. Um, the Department of Business had their employees working from home. So they did have to look at alternative methods to ensure that those in country remained compliant and that it did give peace of mind to both employees and employers. So with the ISD, the Immigration Service Delivery, we saw a number of automatic renewals come into place. Um, these related to those with entry stamps or IRP cards, which were due to expire. So from March 20th, we saw an automatic renewal for two months. As Colin mentioned, we had the Department of Business continue processing, so it didn't apply to those who had permits. They still had to complete um, the renewals of those permits. So the extension in March was for those who had expiring permissions between 20th of March to 20th of May. So it did give those in-country um, the peace of mind to continue working and to know that they were covered by this automatic um, permission. Challenges, obviously, was for those pre-20th of March who had expired permissions and who didn't have the chance to re-register. So we saw those individuals emailing the various departments and their cases were looked at on an individual basis. And in most circumstances, we did see temporary permissions being issued to those. Um, so again, it, it gave the peace of mind to the companies and to the employees. We saw both departments, the ISD and the Department of Business, issue dedicated FAQs and they had dedicated pages relating to the COVID-19 processing changes. So this was really helpful. And we did see our clients finding this to be a useful resource, um, especially with all the uncertainty happening globally. Um, so thankfully, Ireland was ahead of the curve and giving um, frequent updates um, for any changes that were coming into place. We saw another um, positive change in March-April time for students who had obtained um, employment opportunities who unfortunately were still on a stamp two. The government did give them a concession to begin work and they were able to work for a 40-hour um, work period, although on a stamp two, and despite it being term time. So again, there was lots of flexibility there, allowing companies to hire those on stamp two on that 40-hour um, week. So that was great to see. Another change that we saw on April 27th was from the ISD, allowing those who were changing permissions. So for example, from those from a stamp 1G to a stamp 1, or from a stamp one to a stamp four, the ISD started to accept electronic submissions. So those who did have um, a change of status that they needed to complete, 
they were able to email and to obtain a temporary permission for their change of status. So again, another welcome update from the ISD and something that our clients really um, welcomed. And again, we can see this still being um, accepted. So it's great to ensure that individuals are compliantly able to continue to work and to be able to work on their correct um, permission. Yeah, and I think I think we'd all agree. All three of us, or four of us, sorry, would agree that um, I think the response, as you outlined, it's been pretty impressive. It was rapid, um, and it certainly was positive. And perhaps just to just to build on that, and just to drill down into a little bit of the details, uh, Angel, um, I think sort of building on what Louise has just said, there's been some some very specific changes and uh, and impact to the actual process that that uh, we as a provider to 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 um, employers in the state have to do, uh, have to to work with but also employers there's been some very specific changes that we've all had to go through what, what sort of building on that louise's comment what sort of um, changes have taken place in the actual process for managing sort of application submissions for for the for, for individuals in the country thank you bill so yeah i mean in terms of employment permits so say standard work permits in Ireland. There was no change because we always had um, an online portal to, to file those applications, which is called the EPOS system. So that didn't change. We continue to be able to file those employment permit applications online in the usual way. And then the, the case processors from the authorities were all working from home and they, I suppose, were, they were able to process those applications and they have the necessary facilities and, and technology to do so. So that didn't change. But then other employment-based uh, application types, for example, so stamp for support letters uh, applications, for example, which were traditionally uh, hard copy uh, postal mail applications, uh, they were moved online. Now, I suppose a bit more rudimentary in the sense that what happened was they allowed us to submit the application by email. Uh, but obviously that was that was a bit of a game changer really since you know the vast majority of businesses were all working from home which means that you know postal deliveries were not occurring were not happening so um it really greatly helped us as providers and indeed it great it helped our clients uh, to ensure that that compliance was was there at all times and then moving on to other type of immigration applications uh, normally managed by a different department, which is the, the ISD uh, from the Department of Justice. So say, for example, uh, family-based applications such as EU treaty rights applications or, or, or that short-term work permit we mentioned earlier, the, the atypical working scheme. Again, those were applications traditionally you know, paper-heavy and they had to be sent by post. And again, the Department of Justice very quickly, uh, you know, uh, allowed us and, and everybody else to uh, to file those applications by email, and they processed them. But more importantly, in terms of the delivery of the decisions, you know, both for you know work permits or, or family-based applications, so both departments started sending the decisions by email. Again, because they were conscious that the, the, the post. Uh, was not going to be a, a meaningful solution, really, given the fact that we were working from home. So um, everything was delivered by email. That worked really well. 
And not only that, border officers at the airports were also instructed to accept uh, travelers coming in with, with a scanned copy of, of the war permit, say, for example, which, again, was extremely helpful. Uh, we also saw, for example, a, a relaxation on the, on the rules for deregistration and surrender. Typically, you would have to return the original war permit back to the authorities. But again, because of the postal situation, what, what was uh, agreed it was that we would uh, notify them by email with an electronic copy of the permit and then uh, give an undertaking to return the original document once, once things were, went, went back to normal. Uh, we also have, as, as Luis has mentioned, the, the blanket extensions for those in country, which were extremely helpful. Uh, so, yeah, overall, I think the government, you know, uh, made huge efforts to, to ensure the continuity of the, of the business immigration system overall. Thank you, Angel. Um, again, as I said earlier, I think all, all of us would agree that these have all been really positive steps to, to deal with the, um, with the current crisis and certainly um, um, positive for businesses and for employers. I want to move on slightly and change gears, if I may, um, to now sort of talk about the, the reopening and the remobilization phase, if I can, uh, just to sort of finish up the discussion. Um, maybe maybe I could throw this to you, Colm. Um, uh, I know that in, in May, the government sort of turned its mind towards reopening and, and put in place a return to work plan uh, and also a, a five-phase uh, plan for the reopening of the country, uh, country, which I know has been adapted and altered slightly over the coming months. But I just want to ask you whether you felt that the, the government's approach in terms of reopening the country helped in any way in, in preparing um, for remobilization of staff and a return to work. Uh, welcome your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly, you know, it feels like so long ago now, but when we when we were starting to think about this uh, remobilization plan and looking ahead, it's, it, it laid out very clearly what we were going to expect with regards not not only from a you know corporate standpoint, but what what other even smaller businesses and, and our everyday life how it was going to look over the next few months. And you know, it's I, I think it's been a pretty clear uh, guidance across uh, across the board, and, and the recommendations that the government have put in place really helped um, you know all companies like ourselves and and some of our bigger clients and some small even smaller clients as well trying to figure out what the next few months are going to look like with regards to returning to work and returning to offices. And um, I suppose a lot of our clients have been in the fortunate position where they've been able to continue working remotely, and we certainly assisted with the immigration uh, difficulties and, and, and challenges that come with that. But I think now as we're, as we're looking forward and, and talking with other clients, we can, we're starting to see a sense that um, you know, there's, there's a plan in place to return to the office and, and returning to, uh, you know, um, I suppose what, whatever the new normal is going to look like going forward. And certainly when I'm dealing with other, you know, global mobility professionals who might not necessarily be based in Ireland, I think they've taken a lot of uh, encouragement and, and, and really been very appreciative of what the Irish government has done uh, in rolling out this, this plan. And I know, Bill, from yourself, who deals with fragment across Europe, you've probably found the same yourself. So I think, you know, I think this roadmap is kind of hopefully gearing us all towards, uh, you know, a, a new normal moving forward. And, and I think, you know, we can hopefully, as the Irish immigration authorities are continuing to move, I think that's going to help us all going forward. 
Yeah, I think I would I would just echo uh, that point, Colm, that um, uh, some of my colleagues uh, globally, I know, uh, uh, look with envy um, on the transparency and the clarity of the, the Irish um, approach, which is great. Um, just uh, mindful of time a little bit, I'll just um, turn to you, Louise, just to sort of give us a, a, a very quick high-level overview, if I can, if you can, of um, where are we right now in Ireland? Um, we're starting to look towards a reopening. What are the most recent developments uh, around the immigration process, um, um, particularly in Dublin? Any thoughts? Yeah, there's been a few recent developments. So outside of Ireland, we've seen the consulates and the visa posts slowly reopening. So obviously this is great for those individuals outside Ireland waiting to travel and to start their employment. But unfortunately, they need a visa to enter Ireland. So we're seeing some positive changes there. With regards to the recent developments in Ireland, um, firstly, outside of Dublin, we're seeing the phased reopening of the regional registration offices. So this, again, is great for those non-Dublin um, individuals who need to re-register or to register for the first time. There is some changes with those reopenings. So in the past, individuals could just walk into these non-Dublin registration offices, but now they need to email in advance to get a slot or an appointment in order to visit the office. So again, this is just seen a, a welcome change to the government ensuring that they're moving with the times and to ensure they're compliant with any COVID-19 regulations. Um, again, the ISD have issued a list of the registration offices openings and email addresses to contact. So it's really, really clear for our clients and those impacted individuals. So we're seeing really positive feedback there. And then in Dublin, the biggest change has been the ISD bringing the IRP renewals online for those residing in Dublin. So we do expect that this should help with the backlog, backlog for appointments at Burkey. Um, and this online system is a welcome change because we've recently seen um, students also come online um, for their registration for their IRP cards. There is obviously some challenges with the new system. Um, individuals have to send their original passports, so that does obviously bring some concerns. And again, the processing times haven't been very clear because obviously there's a lot of backlog and a large volume of applications at the time. But with the changes that the government and the various departments are bringing, we do foresee um, this to be a positive change and for everything to kind of settle down and become more clear in the next few weeks and months. So I just want to, before we go, to uh, look a little bit towards the future and talk about next uh, month's uh, podcast. And with that, maybe I'll throw it over to Angel to give a little bit of a teaser as to what we hope to talk about next month. Thank you, Bill. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that next podcast because obviously work practices have dramatically changed uh, for everyone as a result of the pandemic. And in our next podcast, we're hoping to discuss the, the impact, you know, that flexible working and remote working or, you know, working from anywhere policies, the impact that that will have in the immigration process here in Ireland, uh, which which remains to be seen and, and how the, the authorities uh, have to adapt to that to that new reality. Uh, we're also, I mean, in terms of the processing itself, we're now in a, in a transition period, I think, where, you know, the country's reopening, registration offices are reopening. 
it's likely that some of the contingency measures that were put in place, some of those might might disappear. Some others might be kept. Uh, clearly, lessons have been learned in terms of the, the move to online processes. So it'll be very interesting to see what what will remain from those contingency measures and what the new system will will look like in the coming weeks and months. So we very much look forward to to speaking to you then. Thanks, Angel. Thank you all, and we look forward to uh, joining you again next month. The Immigration Conversation podcast is presented by Fragament, the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. To stay updated on the most current trends and services worldwide, visit our website at www.fragament.com for the latest podcast episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is current as of the date of publication. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any viewer and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the global immigration professional with whom you work at Fragamin.